Mambo vipi? What's happening? My name is Aniko Owoko and I am a lover of art, culture and everything African. And here we grant you front row access to your favorite celebrities, creators, the biggest personalities and industry experts. Come with me. You're now a VIP. I'm really excited to be talking to an individual that I really adore. I think most of the times on this podcast, I talk about artists I love and so on and so forth. But um, this particular one, I feel like is one artist who really deserves her flowers. She's been part of a lot of other artist projects that you might have known of or even big continental projects like Cox Studio Africa. And I feel like we don't do it as much, but we should acknowledging her talent, her creation and just how warm so ladies and gentlemen I have Mayonde on my podcast hey. today hey. Hello. <laughs> hi babe hi how are you I'm good oh my I'm god good. it's so great to see it's you so again to yes to Long have you here you. on my podcast <laughs> yeah and you're just such an amazing individual you always give me really great vibes oh, oh you. the That's beauty so nice. the beauty is out of the world <laughs> keep it coming keep it coming I love it this is so good for my self-esteem how are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I'm blessed and highly favored. Hallelujah. I love to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know where we're going to start. Like, mm. I would like to start maybe from Coke Studio Africa because that's mm. when I got to know you better. And you were singing background vocals at Coke Studio Africa. And yeah. you've done this so many times Well, you would be singing background vocals for other artists, mm-hmm. even just a band. How have you managed to, you know, be behind the scenes, but at the same time, not forget about your own self and your own craft? Yeah, I guess Cook Studio was such a great learning place because it's important to have mentors, to have people to look up to, to, you know, in the Kenyan music industry, a lot of the times you're just on your own learning how to do this thing. There's no school you go to. And so I thought being a background vocalist would be a great way to get into the industry because a lot of the artists I love and admire, when I'd watch like the behind the scenes or their background stories, that's where they started singing backing vocals. So I was like, oh, that's where I should start then. But also being very aware that you can stay there forever <laughs> and having to invest in your own artistry, invest in your own craft. So yeah, whatever you earn from being a backing vocalist, you also pour into your craft. So it was even in Coke Studio Africa that I was able to have the financing to put out my first record, which was Magic in the Air. Hmm. It dropped, I think, in 2015. Yes. And that's the same year I joined Coke Studio. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so cool that mm-hmm. you put, you know, the money you made back to invest in yourself. That's mm-hmm. really cool. I guess you just have to learn <laughs> how to work the system and grow as an artist. Mm-hmm. And that's the route I took. And I learned so much from Cook Studio Africa, my goodness, because we're working with like the biggest acts in Africa. Yeah. And I learned so much about pop music there because initially I was more of a soulful artist. And mm. then I learned about the pop game and I was like, what? Kumbe. So it was an interesting <laughs> And I guess journey. that's why your EP Purple, when it came out, it had more pop mm-hmm. than what we had previously known of Mayonde. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to explore what Kenyan pop is because, you know, at Coke Studio, the Nigerians came with their Afrobeat, the South Africans came with their house or Kwaito, and so the Tanzanians had their bongo. So what is Kenyan pop? And Project Purple was kind of me. Revisiting. Revisiting. Because popular Kenyan 
Kapuka was such a thing, like with Ogopa and that whole oh era. Oh my God, that of... song. Which song? Chini kwa chini. So I was exploring like Kapuka and because I thought that was the most authentic Kenyan pop sound. And you see, like you were just that. talking about it and my mind literally went back to the EP uh-huh. and it literally went back to that melody and that song. That's so dope. That right? somewhere in your mind. It is. Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really dope. Mm-hmm. And then after the two, you know, projects came out, mm-hmm. there was a couple of years up until this year when mm-hmm. you have also another collaborative project mm-hmm. with Modoni and mm-hmm. uh, Polaris mm-hmm. and the project is part of Perform Music Incubator. Mm-hmm. Would you at least mention to me how that came about yeah. I think it's maybe it might have come about with the fact that you were in perform I think a year back yes okay um, then you came back again it was right after the pandemic I was like wow this music thing doesn't seem to be working there's a missing link somewhere it's not making financial sense am I gonna be a musician anymore I really don't know and then perform music incubator came up mm-hmm. and it's like this music business school almost, but they also support you to make music and to put on a showcase. So that's really how I got into Perform Music Incubator. I was trying to figure out the business side of things. And yeah, now that we're doing phase two, we're really putting our efforts into making an album and we'll have a big show at the end. But it's interesting collaborating with Mudoni and with Polaris because they're such amazing artists and also balancing out the business side of things, which a lot of artists really don't know. So yeah, it's been great working on this project with them and we have such amazing eclectic sounds that are coming up and being able to experiment. That's one big thing that Perform Music Incubator is allowing us to do is to experiment with different sounds, work with like some of the biggest, best Kenyan producers that I've always wanted to work with. So it's exciting. It's an amazing sound. I can't wait for everyone to hear what we're working on. That's amazing. That's amazing. How would you review your experience like working with Jab? Just a band for those who know. Yeah. (laughs) We call them Jab sometimes because you have voiced some of their songs, Mm -hmm. you know, and I feel like you've been part of, you know, their success story. And I feel like a lot of people didn't know which voice mm-hmm. that was, mm-hmm. but I knew that voice. So I just want to give you your flowers and, <laughs> you know, give you your moment yeah. to talk about, you know, having had a chance to collaborate with such a legendary group yeah. and band. Yeah, they really are legendary. And yeah. they're like a one in a million, <laughs> like Kenyan group. Honestly, I learned so much from working with Just a Band, from being a fan of Just a Band, about authenticity, about creating your own lane, about making the music that you want to make and that the people who are your people will find you. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So it was great working with them and also they added to my CV in that way, being able to say, yeah, I worked with Just a Band or I traveled with Just a Band. It's one of those things that added to my career and... Mm. I'm grateful that I was so close to them. You know, when you're in the moment, you don't realize (laughs) how special Mm. it is. And then now when you look back, you're just like, whoa, I was a part of this thing that's so amazing. So always great influences in my life, just a band. Getting to work with Blinky and Jim, especially working with Jim Choo Choo was so amazing because it feels like we are so aligned musically. 
And yeah, I'm grateful for those mm. opportunities for sure. And they really did build me up. And how is it every day, you know, like being married to an artist, mm-hmm. you know, living with an artist mm-hmm. and living with a legendary member of <laughs> just a band? Like, <laughs> are you always or sometimes, you know, talking about music, trying to make music mm-hmm. here and there? Yeah. Or do you just not maybe talk about the music while you're at home? But yeah. I always wonder the dynamics of yeah. two musicians living <laughs> together and being so together. It's very cool to be able to get each other and to be able to bounce things off each other and share your projects. It can be a bit scary <laughs> on my end because I admire his taste. He has a very high taste level. So I'm always worried that he won't like what I make or I can tell if he doesn't like what I make, even if he'll be like, go babe. <laughs> I can tell if he's not like, woohoo. Yeah. Because um, then he yeah. wouldn't want to be too harsh, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. you're on the right path. <laughs> yeah, but I can really tell when he loves something. But it's nice to have someone to bounce things off of and someone who gets the creative journey, the artistic journey. Mm. And yeah, it's it's amazing to have an understanding partner who's supportive. I think I really got lucky there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So this is my favorite part of this podcast. Like mm-hmm. who is my own day? If you were to describe yourself as an individual and also as an artist, who are you and mm. you know what are your main inspirations and influences? Yeah. So those are two things. Who am I as my own day and who am I as an artist? Yes, right? <laughs> yes. Who is my Mayonde? That's a question that I've been answering, I think, for the past four years. Because in 2019, I really got tired of pursuing this dream. Felt like the dream died. And then that's when I realized, oh my gosh, if I'm not an artist, who am I? If I'm not pursuing this thing with all my heart and soul, who am I? I really felt like my identity was my career or my art. So when that breaks down, you really have to question yourself yourself and be like, who am I? And if this thing that I've been chasing for so long doesn't work, what am I going to do? What else is there? So I've been answering that question. And my answer, the most honest answer would be, I am a child who is growing up. I feel like point in my life that something happened and I kind of got stuck there Mm. and I didn't really grow up. But facing all that chaos made me realize, wow, I'm cosplaying as an adult, but I'm I really I need some growing up to I do. need to grow. I need to heal those inner child wounds. I need to work on myself. So I would say I'm a girl who's growing up now. Yeah, that's the most honest answer. Oh, that's but, so beautiful. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like it makes me look bad. But anyway, no. As an artist, I would say this eclectic being who likes to play with different sounds, who sees music in colors who is very adventurous and wants to try different things and doesn't want to be in a box. Mm. Yeah, that's why. What is your heritage? Because I think some people from your family are from Rwanda. Are you full Rwandese? Yeah, I'm half Kamba and half Rwanda. And my mom is from Rwanda and my dad is from here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Were you born and raised here? I was born and raised in Nairobi, Kenya. Mini Manziwa, Nairobi. (laughs) Hard. (laughs) Representing Nairobi. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. And what was growing up like? Like, Mm. did you have a family which was supportive? Yeah. Were your siblings also supportive of what you wanted to do? Did you always want to be in the music industry? When I was a child, I knew I wanted to be a dancer for Janet Jackson. (laughs) And then her brother, Michael, would see me dancing for her, fall in love with me and then get married. Yeah. (laughs) 
me that was my dream as a child I'm like why did I want to get married to Michael Jackson anyway that was my dream and then as I grew older actually my dream was to be an ambassador like to be a diplomat my dream was to study international relations at USIU I had this rich auntie who was a diplomat for Rwanda to Kenya and her life was just so bomb I was like that's what I want to do But when I cleared high school, I really had this passion for singing. And I was like, oh, let me try to be a backing vocalist. And it's this dream that kind of evolved. Mm. So something that I really wanted my whole life. Like, I want to be a singer. Yeah. It kind of found me because I was a church girl deep. <laughs> I was one of those babes who grew up in the church. And singing in church is a big thing. So found my passion for music really in high school. And when I cleared high school, I was like, I'm going to pursue this. But it's not really a dream that I'd had since I was a kid. Mm. My family, they were pretty supportive, but it wasn't something that is a career. Like it's a hobby, please <laughs> go to college university get a good stable career so there's a bit of friction there but i found my way i did my thing and they've supported me where they could mm. but i was definitely the black sheep there like no one else in my family was like pursuing a creative career i come from a family of professionals so they were just so worried for me like what are you doing with your life excuse me please you need to get a job so that was tricky but navigating that has had so many lessons to be honest and it's interesting you you know talk about some of your earlier wishes for your career like mm-hmm. being a diplomat and i feel like you somehow have been able to live that dream through mm-hmm. your music mm-hmm. like even when you went on tour out of africa you know mm-hmm. it was one of the biggest tours i've seen well organized across europe mm-hmm. i don't know which other continent you guys went to beyond that but mm-hmm. so many countries mm-hmm. You know, how was that experience like or for those listening and might not have followed? Mm-hmm. Could you paint a picture of what being part of Out of Africa tour yeah. was? What was Out of Africa? Yeah, so uh pretty much promoting Kenya as a culture destination like for tourism, not just our sites and our beaches and our mountains and now as a cultural destination. Mm. Like come and experience our music, come and experience our cultures, our different cultures, all the different tribes. So we put together this show and we're going on tour in Europe and it was amazing. It was an amazing experience getting to perform every night in a different city, in a different town, seeing how developed the arts are in Europe how they have theaters everywhere every small town has a theater or every big city has multiple theaters mm. and seeing that people come out to the shows and just having that skill of performing every night was a great experience honestly like we really grew musically and then also it's almost rare to perform every day when you're back home right yeah. <laughs> it's maybe once a week or once every two weeks so it's not like every single exactly. day exactly so the discipline to do that and also building that muscle of you know your voice taking care of your voice was a phenomenal experience it was a bit strange that the people putting together the show were not kenyan <laughs> right so there's a bit of friction there because why are dutch people putting together a show about the culture of kenya 
And then also the people in the cast were such big names, like there were big artists in there. So we weren't just going to take anything you see. There was a bit of pushback, like, no, nah, that doesn't feel Kenyan. No, nah, mm. I don't know about that. So there's a bit of tension when it came to that production. And also experiencing that, that mm. there's politics or that there's drama. It's not just we're one big happy family and we're going on tour. Like when it comes to business or when it comes to productions, there's always like yeah. pros and cons yeah. and I guess experiencing those things. And mm. I think after you came from that tour, you mm. attempted to start a music group or did you guys actually start a music group, which was really short-lived? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Patricia, oh, that's what you're talking yeah. about. Patricia Kihara and I, so and so. Yes. Yeah, so was it only two of you or someone else? It was the two of oh, us. Oh, I thought there was yeah, a, a third yes. person. Yeah, we tried it out for a little bit. We performed a little bit, but life kind of took us in different, different yeah. tangents. Yes. Okay. But are you keen to be in a girl group or whatever other group again? Or would yeah. you just like to test the waters for collaborative projects, but still remain as, as a solo artist? Yeah. I feel like I'm so open to anything right now. I'm really going with the flow of the journey. Mm. I guess with Perform Music Incubator, we're kind of a girl group, like yes. Mudoni, the drama queen, <laughs> Polaris and I. But I'm definitely open to being in groups, to collaborating with different people. Mm. I feel like the clear dream I had before of being a solo artist, I'm not too sure about that anymore. Mm. But yeah, I still make music on my own. I'm still putting out uh, singles on my own, but I'm open to whatever, journey this yeah. music thing okay. will take me on yeah. okay and um COVID period you spoke about you know having to redefine your identity around mm-hmm. that time mm-hmm. and interestingly so many of us had to do the same I had mm-hmm. to do the same you know I had to question myself because that time there was no work so you'd just be sitting there like you know thinking yeah. about your life yeah. and I started thinking, oh my God, what do I do like with the whole day or with the whole weekend? Mm -hmm. I was so used to working all the time and Mm -hmm. having meetings all the time. And then I started to appreciate my time. So when things came back, then I had boundaries. I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't work on Saturday or I don't do Uh work meetings on Sunday. But Mm -hmm. I didn't even realize up to that point that I needed my own space, Mm -hmm. you know. So it was a very crucial moment, I think, for so many creatives, so many individuals. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask, since then till now Mm -hmm. if you look back is it you who has changed or do you feel like certain things in the industry have changed because you're saying it reached a point where I just was questioning like do I want to be in this industry it's not making sense yeah so is it making sense now or you're making it make sense (laughs) (laughs) an amazing question yeah it's funny because I started asking these questions around mid-2019 that's when my life slowed down and then it's like the whole world joined me (laughs) In COVID. So you had even started before COVID. Before COVID. Wow. I was you like, are ahead. Who am I? What am I? You What's happening? What am I pursuing? Why am I pursuing what I'm pursuing? And just like stopping. And then the whole world joined Stopped, me. The yeah. whole world stopped. But at least you kind like, of prepared welcome. yourself. Yeah. It's like, welcome. Everyone <laughs> sit with our thoughts and feelings together. But then I learned a lot coming out of that and especially going into perform music incubator and seeing the holes I had in my career, seeing the things that I lacked, the knowledge that I lacked, Mm. especially when it comes to business. There was this thinking that I'll just be great at my art. And then as I grow as an artist, the business people will come, the publicists will come, the, like the faith that 
all the things that you need will come to you, right? But the way this industry is set up, <laughs> it's not like that. It's not like that. And just having to face the wishful thinking, having to face where you are a bit delusional and understanding that, hey, I actually need to understand the business side. I need to understand how to market myself. I need to understand how to build my audience, how to capitalize off of that audience. And there's no magical person or label or I don't know, entity that's going to come into my life and fix it. I really actually have to figure this stuff out. And for some people it does happen, but it doesn't happen for everyone. And so you can't live your life waiting for this savior. You kind of have to save yourself. So I guess that's the biggest lesson I've learned. So I'm making it work because now I have the tools. Now I have the knowledge. Now I have a team because of perform. Like I am able to have the support I need Mm -hmm. and also the know-how of how to do some of the things I really didn't know how to do. Like how to distribute your music, how to promote it. It's not just a post on Instagram, right? So yeah. That is so profound. And I love that you're that honest because I feel like there's always different levels to everyone and everything. Mm -hmm. So even when you find that you've made it in one space or one country, then there's another country, there's another space. So Mm -hmm. I feel like life itself and the industry itself is always a learning Mm -hmm. for me too. You know, I always think I know until I meet some other PR people or collaborate with other agencies Mm -hmm. and I'm like, whoa, there's really different levels that I'm even unlocking. So Mm -hmm. I'm happy for you to to be in this space. I would be so sad if Mm -hmm. my own days quit the music industry because I'm such a fan. So Mm -hmm. I'm really happy things happened the way they did and you're Mm -hmm. here now and you're in the queue and Polaris are killing it. (laughs) So how do you see, you know, the next couple of years or the next phase for Mayo, Mm -hmm. even for like next year? Like what are some of the projects you would like to do or some of the things you'd like to put your creative input in? I definitely still want to make music, but it's now with the understanding that music is not the brand, right? (laughs) It's just yeah, one it's aspect. Like the, it's like the driver of it's the business the driver and the brand of the business. and every other thing. Exactly. Yeah. So really wanting to flex that business muscle, that digital marketing muscle. I love it. Understanding that I have other gifts. And it's the whole principle of ikigai, like doing something you love, that you're passionate about, doing something that makes you money, having that balance of music doesn't have to be everything. I don't have to make it my bread and butter. I shouldn't expect it to feed me fully, can have multiple streams of income. So really growing in that way, like using my other gifts, understanding how I could have products that's not just music. Like, okay, are we going into merchandising? Mm. Are we going to have a line of something? Like just how are you going to use your brand to build yourself up, even with the music? That's Mm. the thing that's bringing people to you. Then now that they're in your store, (laughs) what are you going to do? Yeah, and that really reminds me of Pilani Bobo. She's a Mm. South African artist who was on this podcast a couple of... I watched the um, show. You you did. And Mm -hmm. I loved how she was saying like, artists from time to time need to put together conceptual sounds mm-hmm. or projects or EPs or three songs as one just for purposes of, you know, using it as a driver for something else, for yes. a tour, for merchandise, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good way of looking at your music. Mm-hmm. So then you cease to see it as something that exists 
for listening or only on the DSPs. Yeah. But you now start to look at it as something that can get out of the, you know, digital platforms mm-hmm. into another form yeah. in another way. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it also takes the pressure of the music having to do a certain thing, like having to be a number one song right. or having to be a number one artist. Right. It's really dependent on your audience. The audience that you've garnered yeah. whether the song has a hundred thousand views or 500 views is irrelevant yeah. it's actually how you think about conceptualizing yes, and packaging yes. it it really takes the pressure of the music having to perform a certain exactly way. for instance the song might not have been a number one hit on the radio or didn't have so many views on youtube but mm-hmm. it could maybe be licensed for a film yeah and you could make a good amount of cash on that because mm-hmm. i remember when i was in south africa Last one of the artists was speaking at a conference. She said that the richest South African artists are rich off of tour, like mm-hmm. someone like Black Coffee yeah. and the licensing. Those exactly. two. Yeah. And the richest artists from the licensing, they're not even popular artists. Mm-hmm. It's just other artists. So it's so important, you know, for me, for this kind of conversations to come out in this podcast so that those who are listening can also find ways of diversifying whatever they're creating. Even if you're not a musician and you're creating yeah. something else, how can that something else exist outside of its norm and, you know, create a revenue stream for you? Mm-hmm. So thanks so much for sharing that. I want to wrap up, but before mm-hmm. I wrap up, mm-hmm. I want to ask you to give a few tips to staying on your path. Ooh, what I wish someone would have told me, if I could go back like, six, seven years would be don't expect your art to pay you, right? It's okay for it to grow into that, Mm. but don't rely on it to feed you. Like figure out the money thing. If you need to sell mandazis on the side, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. If you want to be an influence on the side, figure out the thing that's going to be a stable stream of income. And then still do your music, but it will take the pressure off a lot of things if you're able to have a steady stream or an income stream of different kinds, even not just one. Yeah. But yeah, that's probably what I would give as advice. And it's not necessarily saying that now that's a plan B, but it's just to support you and to take off the stress of where is money coming from? Mm. Because you need money to be an artist. You really do. And it requires a huge investment, yeah. you know, all these albums you're recording, all these songs, all these producers you're working yes. with, all the videos you're shooting. Yes. Really, artists are employers. If you think about it, you're employing a makeup artist, a stylist, a producer, rehearsal space, you're paying for it, a band, you're hiring them. Like you really need to be able to take care of yourself mm. and also your art. So just seeing your art as this, almost like a business, a side business, but having this thing that's supporting you. Mm. Really, that's the biggest lesson. Okay. Mm-hmm. And do you feel happy with where you are right now after all the reflections from mm-hmm. COVID time? The honest answer is no. Mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm still finding my stability because it really rocked me. I feel like I went through what I would call the dark night of the soul. Really? Yeah. Oh it, was, it was hectic, man. <laughs> it was hectic. But I'm yet to see an artist who hasn't been through a hectic hectic season like that. It's like it comes with the territory. But finding my center, finding my balance, figuring out it's almost like I'm falling in love with music again. It's Mm. something I'd given up. So when a dream dies, you really have to grieve it. You have to go through the heartbreak of it. So it's like losing someone if you were to lose 
a friend or a parent or a, you'd have to go through a season of grieving before. I don't even know if you feel like yourself again, but mm. you kind of have to find your stability again. And I'm on the way there. I don't think I'm fully there yet. Mm. So I can't say I'm happy, but I'm grateful for the progress. I'm grateful that I'm no longer in the pit. I see how mm. far I've come. I guess I'm grateful to be alive. <laughs> and I'm happy that I'm making music again. I'm I'll so say happy that, that you're <laughs> yeah. making music again. And I think I knew you were making music again because I was at one of the listening parties for perform and hearing you, you know, was amazing. And then when you honored us with your, you know, presence to come to this podcast, I kind of felt like she's back or she's <laughs> almost ready to be back because yeah. there was a long break. And I did feel like you took a break, even though you, or I don't know whether yeah. you really announced like you're taking a break, yeah. but I mean, everyone was on a break since COVID. Yeah. And I was even saying, I feel like 2023 was since COVID was the first year when I felt like everything opened up, mm -hmm. you know, even Black and Wine came back. Yeah. It was just not the same mm -hmm. until recently that I felt it's almost the same. So a lot of things had changed and, you know, you coming here made me feel like Mayo is back. <laughs> so thank you so <laughs> much you for, for coming through. Receive your flowers. Receive you are so flowers. amazing. Thank you. You are so talented. We don't tell you that enough. <laughs> we don't have as artists who are as talented as you are. So we really need you. And uh, we hope to, you know, be of service as well. So feel free to reach out if yeah. you ever need any PR help or any support. Yeah. I would love to help where possible oh, and congrats on everything you've done. Any other thing you'd like to say before we wrap up? Thank you for having <laughs> me on your show. I'm such a fan. <laughs> I love watching you and watching your journey. So thanks for being the light that you are as well. And yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I came here by faith because <laughs> it's been a while since I did an interview. I know. No, yeah. that's why I'm saying thank yeah. you so much because I knew that you accepted by faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind I of felt like, like you accepted just because it was me and you were like, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, the last big interview I did was CTA clearing the airwaves by Richard Njau. Yeah. It was like vulnerability overload. Really? So I'm too honest now. I don't have like a front to like look cool. So that's why I'm scared of interviews. I'll say exactly what is on my mind. I love now. it. Like you usually ask people, <laughs> are you happy? Everyone's like, yes, I am. Yes, yes I am. I am so happy. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's a bit risky because I'm like, I don't have an off switch for my vulnerability anymore. But thanks for this space. Thanks for being like my first interview in a minute. And I feel like now that I'm here, more will come. Yes, most but definitely. Yeah, thank you. Thanks thank for this you. space, Aniko, and for caring so much about art and artistry in Kenya. Asante yeah. Mayo. Thank mm -hmm. you so much. And I thank everybody listening. This has been the amazing Mayonde. Please go on to social media to all the DSP, stream her music. Even her past albums are so dope. Mm -hmm. Any content she's been part of is legendary. Mm -hmm. So keep looking out for Mayonde. She'll definitely come out with more amazing <laughs> Amazing content in the future. And it's on this note that we're ending the show today. Next week, welcome back. I'll have yet another amazing creative and artist who you'd love to know more about. Mm -hmm. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. <laughs>